Hi, this is Usha, and this podcast episode I am dedicating to my mom because September 4th is her birthday tomorrow, and she is truly a warrior. She's my best friend. She's a trooper, and she does not give up. And I just wanted to recognize her and talk about her a little bit in this episode. Many of you may not know, um, but my mom was born and raised in Mauritius. And Mauritius is a tiny island about 1,500 miles east of South South Africa. Uh, Mauritius population is approximately 1.3 million people. And the official languages are English, French, and Creole. So my mom's schooling was in French um, throughout her childhood, which is interesting because eventually when she was brought to India, she did not understand Hindi. She had to have a special tutor to translate for her. Um, So therefore, she's trilingual now. Mauritius um, Island is composed 49% of Hindus, a lot of Indian influence, as well as European and Chinese. The first settlements um, in Mauritius were established by the Dutch in 1638, and the island was named after Prince Maurice van Nassau, who governed Mauritius in in 1598. Later, the French and British arrived to Mauritius, and eventually Mauritius became independent from Britain in 1968. So that gives you a little um, background. Um, So I am Indo-Mauritian. I've got the best of both worlds. And because of my mom's um, background, I do speak French. I did study for a year in France, and um, all my classes um, were in French. So I'm pretty fluent, at least at that time but I'll keep that for another episode. So as I mentioned to you, my mom is probably one of the most simplest individuals um, you will come across. Um, She was born, as I mentioned, in Mauritius, and her uncle took her to India um, at a very young age when she was a teenager. She went to India by ship. Um, Both of her parents passed away when she was a young age. She used to tell me stories growing up in India, um, particularly Bihar, which is a conservative state in India. Um, She would have a lot of challenges assimilating into the culture. She wore skirts. She did not wear the traditional Indian attire all the time, especially to school. So people would um, ridicule her wearing skirts and pull her skirts that you know, she was bullied and she did not want to go to school. And especially learning another language was challenging. So she was, um, she was homeschooled and she was taught um, English and Hindi um, so she can complete her studies and she ended up completing her master's. So basically back in her day, she was very westernized in a very conservative culture um, at that time. Um, She dedicated most of her life um, to my dad, to me, and my brother. Some of her favorite hobbies um, are definitely cooking. She cooks nonstop. She loves energy. She used to love to entertain. We would constantly have people over that it was constantly cleaning and um, 
prepping to help her cook when um, guests would come. Her specialty is seafood. Uh, she does not eat meat, and I guess being um, brought up on an island, um, she was not exposed to meat too much, so she still is a pescatarian. She also loves art and decorating. She would decorate all our houses um, from start to finish, and um, they were very treasured pieces. She was also very fond of singing Hindi songs and watching Bollywood movies nonstop. So that's the reason why um, I am fluent, at least in understanding Hindi. I'm able to listen to songs and watch um, Bollywood movies without subtitles. So I thank her for that, um, you know, exposure to you know our culture, being a first-generation Indian American. She was very carefree and spirited, always wearing stiletto high heels, um, walking, very stylish. But suddenly after my father passed away, it was very difficult for her to move forward. She centered her entire life around my dad and our family. She basically lived for us. The fr I remember the first few days, weeks after he passed away, she didn't know what to do, but she kept telling herself that she needs to find the courage to live for my brother and I. Unfortunately, during those times, my brother and I were really young. We were very, um, didn't know what to do. It was very sudden to us first time in our lives that, you know, we had experienced death. So, you know, our mom was our world after my dad passed away. Um, but unfortunately, my mom became very vulnerable and stressed, you know, how to manage, how to survive financially, also, you know, um, socially connecting with people. She was used to a certain life with my dad. And after a while, she started socially isolating herself um, with our family and friends that we grew up with. And I did not realize at that time, being so young, you know, what that meant or what the repercussions would be in the long term. But unfortunately, that spiraled out of control and she became very influenced by individuals. Unfortunately, us being a Brahmin family, uh, there was influence of priests saying that we need to do the right thing, asking for money. Um, they preyed on my mom, who was very vulnerable. You know, we tried to put our feet down and tell her to stop, not to fall into this. But she became easily influenced and um, gave a lot of our money away. And she just basically was not the same person that we knew. Um, she started to become a bit aggressive. There were times a year or two later where she would hit me and then she would see bruises on me and then ask me what happened. And when I would tell her what happened, she would cry and say, I, I didn't do that. I don't remember doing that to you. So it was a very frustrating and challenging um, experience, especially for me because my future, I really wanted to become a diplomat, focus on foreign policy. And because my mom was alone, I did not want to leave, leave her. So I reassessed my life goals and stayed back to be with her and this became a very frustrating experience because I attributed a lot of this to mental health and depression because of my father and I did not know what the solution was. 
you know, she did seek help. Individuals did give her medicine, but then she would become stubborn and take herself off of medicine and become even more uncontrollable for me to bear. And I did not know who to turn to because I was scared to talk about this um, challenge that I was experiencing because I felt like people would be judgmental or would not believe me what I'm going through because, you know, everything seemed like it was perfect, but in reality it was not. It got to the point that I suddenly could not eat. I was losing weight. And, you know, I guess that was for me a cry for help. But then again, family, friends would be like, you know, the you know notion that you have to be skinny and um, hardly any meat on the bones. They would be like, oh, you're looking so good nowadays. So it was a very frustrating. I did not know who to turn to. You know, it even got to the point um, I was thinking about moving out because my mom was throwing my belongings down the trash chute, my clothes. She was leaving my personal belongings outside for people to um, pick up randomly. I mean, she was even displaying bizarre behavior. We had a nice sofa that I fondly remember and um, she threw the cushions away and she got rid of the cushions and just kept the shell of the sofa. And no one could explain to me, you know, what was going on. I eventually hunted the cushions down and got it back. So, you know, we had a full furniture set. But again, that was something that I was not used to, um, that type of behavior. It got to the point that I did leave her. I thought I needed a break. I thought maybe she was doing all this to control me or to get attention. But, um... You know, one day I went to go visit her and again, I had bruises. So I ended up doing a wellness check. I, you know, confided in one or two friends and they suggested I do that. That way an officer can come and check upon her well-being. And I think that helped. Um, It was a little of a wake-up call because she did not understand why a police officer is knocking on her door in the middle of the night um, regarding the situation. And I emphasize I did not, you know, want them to do anything, just check on her well-being because I was concerned. So that's another thing I learned through the process is that if you're concerned about someone's health or mental well-being, I would encourage you to call um, your emergency department non-emergency number and request that a um, officer go check on your loved one. It got to the point that I could not live with her and I didn't know, did not know what the solution was. I eventually brought her in much closer to me where I was living, but even that was a process. Um, I vacated her place and she refused to leave and she slept on the floor for several days. Um, and that was another headache. Eventually with a family friend's help, I was able to move her from her current living situation and place her in the same building as me because she was close, but not that close. She was just a few floors away and I just had to take the elevator to see her. She was in her own world. She was, you know, kind of disarrayed, um, you know, at that time. I did not, again, realize, you know, all these symptoms, what they would attribute to, you know, her hair would be matted. I would have to find someone to come and address her hair. Um, she would put dishwashing soap in the dishwasher and then there would be a flood and bubbles everywhere. So I was constantly dealing with random situations during my workday, which becomes even more stressful to explain to your boss or to your colleague that I need to run home. Um, I need to check on my mom. 
I understand once or twice, but it was just becoming a bit too habitual. What was a turning point for me to realize her illness was one day I called her, called her several times during the day and she wasn't answering and I went out with friends. So I assumed in the morning she was probably in the bathroom and did not think, um, did not want to stress myself, I should say, to continuously call her because I was not um, close by. I was having brunch with my friends. So I called her, you know, on my way home and there was still no answer, which I thought was kind of odd. Maybe her phone was not charged. So before going back to my place, I, you know, went up to her place and I unlocked her door. The door latch was on and I found her on the floor. So I was freaking out. I did not know what happened. I had guilt feeling that I did not, why I went out. I had a good time with my friends and I did not go and check on her earlier. So because of the latch, I could not um, get in. I had to call security to um, break it down, 911. Um, fortunately, she was conscious and um, she did not remember what happened, but we did take her, um, paramedics did take her to the emergency room and that's where her medical diagnosis slowly started to unravel. And um, physicians were not sure at that time. They said, you know, it could be depression because of the, our culture being Indian. You know, they kept alluding to that or they said it could be dementia. But when they did some CT scans, they did, um, there were some questionable things. So eventually they were leaning towards um, dementia, but her behavior was very erratic in the hospital. You know, they're constantly having to um, drug her up. So she was in a comatose state. You know, at one point um, she was Baker acted and I had to go through that whole process by myself, which was very scary. But at the end of the day, that's when I realized is that no one is here to advocate for my mom or understand um, what she is going through. So I did advocate for her and I did beg them that I need help um, to make her better, that um, this is not a Band-Aid solution, that I want them to work with me to find a solution um, to help her, but me as well. At some point as well, she was transferred to a skilled nursing facility and you know, because of her fall, she broke her elbow and um, tore her tricep muscle so she was in a cast and again I get a call from the facility they have to transport her to the hospital because she's been sitting all day picking on the cast and took it off so these are the types of things that I was dealing with and you know for them the easy solution was to constantly put her in a comatose state so when she came home um, she was happy she adapted well you know, she was talking, she was fine for a little bit. And that's when my journey started with her um, regarding the dementia diagnosis to understand it. At first, it's very frightening to Google everything um, because I think through this experience, I realized that Googling medical symptoms is not necessarily applicable in my situation and I was getting even more stressed out. Um, so I just, you know, started keeping a journal and stuff. It was a challenge. She did not like to go to doctors. She did not like to um, take medicine. But fortunately, um, she, 
I found a primary care physician for her that she's very comfortable with. And in fact, she looks forward to going to the doctor. She plans what she's going to wear, make sure her hair, there are no gray hairs or stuff, you know, the week before her appointment. So she, um, you know, we've made some progress with that, um, with her situation of her not seeking medical attentions. There's a lot to talk about, um, about her. This is just a little snippet of, you know, the early part of the, um, diagnosis, um, and how, you know, we coped. It has been a long journey. It continues to be, it is not easy. Every day is a roller coaster. I mean, I'm at a point, it's not even every day. It's like hour by hour. I constantly have, um, knots in my stomach, but you know, I'm doing this for my mom because my mom was there nonstop for my brother and I while growing up, taking us to school, making sure we were fed, giving us the best of everything. Um, And most of all, she gave us unconditional love. So I feel like my responsibility as her daughter is to do the same thing. This is the first time, um, believe it or not, that my mom actually remembers um, that it is her birthday this year. So her birthday is September 4th. And um, she is actually very excited. She has been all smiles this week. Um, She's been asking for a trace leeches cake. She's been asking for special food. So I'm kind of busy cooking and um, giving her treats, uh, making it her birthday week and trying to make it as special as possible for her because I know life is short and you just never know um, what's going to happen. So I, I thank you for listening and I will talk more part two about this journey, personal journey that I'm experiencing with her um, in my next episode. So thank you for listening. Take care and have a safe Labor Day weekend.